Time once again for instant analysis, this time following the Alabama Crimson Tides. 30-6 to win over the Mississippi State Bulldogs Saturday night, a homecoming Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you, and we're going to go through some of the more important aspects of Alabama's seventh win of the season, the Crimson Tide now at 4-1 and one in SEC play, and combined with LSU's home win over Ole Miss earlier in the day, you've got a showdown set up for two Saturdays from now in Baton Rouge. Sounds about right when you talk about Alabama and LSU in the West, doesn't it? Crimson Tide and the Tigers both now at 4-1 and one in SEC play, both with a loss to Tennessee, the lone losses for each on their SEC resume. So we're going to have plenty of time to get you ready for Alabama and LSU one more time down in Red Stick, place that's been pretty good to Alabama throughout the years, as we know. But first, want to delve into this Alabama win over Mississippi State. It was homecoming. You had the 30-year reunion for the 1992 National Championship team. And that second half kind of felt like 1992 Alabama, not only because Alabama defensively, well, until the last play of the game, held up pretty well on that side of the football, the defensive side of the football, but 90 total yards for Alabama. That's it for that Alabama offense in the third and fourth quarters on 36 plays. That felt that felt kind of like 1992 Alabama a little bit, didn't it? I think Gene Stallings, probably some of the guys – that were there with him on that 92 team, probably enjoyed that second half a little bit. But as tough as it was on the eye, it looks like Alabama got through the game in pretty good shape from a health perspective. There were some interesting angles in terms of availability that you saw from Charlie Potter, our senior team reporter, during pregame warm-ups, as Charlie noted and as it became more clear as the game got underway. Alabama, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Some key absences when you talk about DJ Dale and Jaheim Otis, a couple of your big guys right there on the interior of that defensive line. Deontay Lawson had made starts the previous two games at weak side linebacker. He was not available on Saturday night. So you're really thin on that defensive line, which this wasn't the worst matchup to be in that type of situation because as much dime as Alabama played in the game against Mississippi State in that air raid offense, you were able to get away, which frankly, most weeks these days, it seems like you're able to get away with fewer and fewer defensive linemen. But it did put some guys like Damon Payne more into the forefront of the rotation, guys like Jamil Burroughs, guys like Jamarian Latham. You know, I had some guys that had to elevate in that rotation and then you still had some of the cornerstones of that defensive front guys like Byron Young Byron's been exceptionally active here of late especially Uh, you still had Tim Smith available uh, to work in that defensive front and then at linebacker because you were in dime so much it was really a Henry Toa Toa kind of game and in helping Alabama limit Mississippi State to that one touchdown late in the contest, Henry with 13 tackles against State for the second year in a row. He had 13 against the Bulldogs in Starkville a year ago. He answers with 13 more. It was really a space kind of game. You knew Alabama was going to play more zone than we typically see from Alabama. 
Uh, and we still saw some man, though, especially on the outside. Speaking of which, what about Eli Ricks in his starting debut? Along with Kool-Aid McKinstry, those two guys with four pass breakups apiece. Alabama with 15 pass breakups in the game. So four sacks, seven quarterback hurries, and 15 pass breakups. That's a ton. And, you know, secondary obviously had to play better. Couldn't help but play better than it did at Tennessee a week ago. And for the most part, that was the case. You know, this is a guy in Will Rogers who throws the ball around a ton. He threw it 60 times in the game Saturday night. And for just 231 yards, I believe it was, for Will Rogers. So when you add that up in terms of yards per attempt, and that can be a bugaboo for Mike Leach's offense. You know, the yardage totals look good and the completion percentages look good, but sometimes not enough in the way of explosive plays. And, you know, with Will Rogers averaging 3.9 yards per pass attempt in the game, that was the low for him as a starter during his time at State. And it's been sort of a reoccurring theme in Mike Leach's first three goes at Alabama as Mississippi State head coach. Just cannot produce produce enough explosive plays. Certainly nothing, nothing in the neighborhood of what we saw Tennessee do to this Alabama defense a week ago uh, in Knoxville. So when you look at it from that perspective for Mississippi State, explosive plays, they came into the game with just nine pass plays of 20 yards or more in State's first six or seven games of the season, had just three uh, of 19 or more in the game Saturday night against Alabama, two of 20 or more. So Alabama keeping the explosive plays to a minimum didn't produce a takeaway. The Alabama defense lost a couple to review, had the sack by Byron Young there in the third quarter initially ruled a fumble and a fumble recovery for Alabama. That was overturned by review. And I would say they got that one right. And then you also had what looked initially to be an interception for Kool-Aid McKinstry there in the first quarter. That, too, was overturned by review. Jalen Moody, seeing more of him uh, in the game. It was on special teams, but Moody did recover a muffed punt return by State uh, that, that helped set Alabama up with good field position there in the second half. So defensively for Alabama, you know, again, Toa Toa, 13 tackles. DeMarco Hellams, you figured he was going to be heavily involved from a tackle perspective because so much in this Mississippi State offense happens more so in front of the safeties or at the safety level than beyond it. And DeMarco with 12 tackles, Jordan Battle with six also from the safety Position. I thought it was interesting too, Dallas Turner and how he was utilized in the game with the dime package on the field. You know, Dallas lining up as essentially a as an inside linebacker at times to go along with Henry Toa Toa, and then you had some three down front with a couple of defensive linemen in the game, and you know, on the other end you had Will Anderson, of course, and uh, six tackles for loss for Alabama in the game. And you got production from some different guys. I thought Brian Branch played well there uh, in those nickel and dime packages on Saturday night against Mississippi State with four tackles, a tackle and a half for loss. He had two of those 15 pass breakups recorded by Alabama in the game. Uh, Effective as a blitzer at times. Uh, He did have a sack. He had 
uh, quarterback hurry. So it was a stat-stuffing type performance for Brian Branch, and he wasn't on the field when State scored late there. You had Jacquez Robinson come on at the money position in the dime with Malachi Moore at the star. So no Brian Branch on that last drive that finally, finally a touchdown drive for a Mike Leach offense at Mississippi State against Alabama. And really, you talk about just scoring in any form or fashion against Alabama um, in Tuscaloosa. Been a couple of years. That was that was a third straight shutout in Tuscaloosa that was on the line there late. But Rick's very impressive in his debut stepping in there for Terry and Arnold. And that's the thing Rick's is going to give you. If you just ask Eli Rick's, Play man coverage, play press coverage. Eli Ricks with that length and just that skill set that he brings to the table, uh, he can do that. And I thought he was really, really good uh, back there at the corner position. Uh, We talk about pass rush. Again, it wasn't the seven sacks of Will Rogers, thankfully for him, from a year ago, but four probably felt like more than enough. And, you know, this was a Mississippi State offense that came in, and we previewed this during the week uh, in three matchups. And I think even going back to what Saban said back on Monday, uh, that if you look at the numbers, they weren't going to blow you away coming in. But with Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson at the running back position, a little bit of Simeon Price uh, to go along with those two guys, it was definitely a team that was more of a threat running the ball and tried to take advantage of some of those light boxes with Alabama in that dime package so much uh, on Saturday night and had some success, Mississippi State did, especially in the first quarter. State rushes for, ends up rushing for 62 yards in the game. And 57 of those yards came in the first quarter. So early, it was a bit of a problem for the Alabama defense uh, with that run game. But Alabama cleaned some things up. And you were worried about scrimmage yards as much as anything else with these Mississippi State backs. And we talked about it earlier in the week. Dylan Johnson uh, had an injury against Kentucky last Saturday night. So there was real concern from the state camp about whether or not he would be able to play against Alabama. He could not. And at six foot, 215 pounds, you know, he's not a scat back. This is a guy that brings some physicality to the run game, uh, compliments Woody Marks extremely well. These are two guys that have played a ton over the last couple of three seasons in Starkville. But it was pretty much Marks and Simeon Price for state both as runners and receivers. And between those two guys, Mississippi State got 98 scrimmage yards, which is a is an acceptable total if you're Pete Golding because of how much Leach and that offense utilizes the backs as receivers, even more so than it does as runners. Marks with 13 carries for 53 yards, it uh, looked like he took a shot there early in the game. I know there were some reports coming from the sideline via ESPN that perhaps he had broken his nose, which that's a tough place to be when you're running back against an Alabama defense and you do it early in the game. But um, Marks uh, with two catches for zero yards uh, on two targets, so didn't hurt Alabama as a receiver. Simeon Price Eight carries, 36 yards. He also had four catches for 11 yards. But again, numbers that you could you could live with if you were uh, 
if you were Pete Golding. Offensively for Alabama, and we're going to kind of go around and back, and this is more of a stream of consciousness than it is kind of a bullet-pointed formatted approach to this podcast so bear with me if you don't mind but offensively for Alabama Bryce Young 21 of 35 249 two touchdowns pretty pedestrian numbers uh, for Bryce and the explosive plays and really just anything resembling consistency from within the the scheme of the offense play design those things it was difficult throughout the night uh, Bryce, not bad again, 60% completion rate. That's a little low for him, but you know, this is very much an offense that's dependent on the explosive plays. And I think more so in the run game, even we saw what happens when the run game, and you can go back to last week with Tennessee for some of this too. Yes, Jameer Gibbs had the 100-yard game against Tennessee last week, but the explosive runs weren't as abundant as they had been in some previous games. And so Jameer with just 10 carries for 37 yards, Jameer early in the game didn't look to be feeling great. Jace McClellan early in the game did not look to be feeling great. So between those two guys, you get 16 carries for 46 yards, and you did get the one touchdown run from Jameer Gibbs. So he kind of keeps that thing going with the touchdowns. And it came on his longest run of the night, the 19-yarder. But, you know, if we went into the game and I told you, look, Mississippi State's going to outrush uh, Mississippi State is going to outrush Alabama by 33 yards. Would you believe that? Probably not, but that's what happened. Mississippi State with 62 rushing yards. Alabama with just 29 rushing yards on 27 carries. And even if you break it down just in terms of primary running back options, Woody Marks and Price for Mississippi State got Gibbs, McClellan, and Roydell Williams, who – I think it was kind of telling about maybe the status of both Gibbs and McClellan that we saw Roydell as early as we saw him in the game against Mississippi State. Now, you know, from a receiving perspective, that's where Alabama's backs were able to pick things up at least a little bit as Jameer had four catches for 33 yards. Roydell had two catches for 10 yards, and Jace had a catch for 11. But nothing in the way of, again, the prolific nature of explosive plays for this offense. And, you know, again, the last two games, Alabama, especially on the ground, it hasn't been as much of a feast of explosive plays in the run game And over the last two games, Alabama's averaging 2.5 yards per carry. So certainly a point of emphasis for this Alabama offense as it heads into its bye week for the 2022 season. And as receivers go, we wondered before the game, wrote about it in five predictions for Alabama-Mississippi State, if we were witnessing the ascent of Ja'Cory Brooks to the top of the rotation. Ja'Cory Brooks as wide receiver one, perhaps. And Ja'Cory had three more catches for 74 yards. He had a long of 40 yards. That was Alabama's longest play from scrimmage in the game. The hookup between himself and Bryce Young there in the first quarter 
just a snap or two later, you had JoJo Earl with the 31-yard touchdown catch. But again, even in the passing game, a lot of the stuff we saw, a lot of the good stuff we saw from the Alabama offense was off extended plays. And give give the offensive line some credit for that. You know, Mississippi State made it a little easier for those guys and rushing three, maybe four. Um, but they still held up well and gave Bryce the opportunity to improvise. I thought at times we saw Alabama receivers show some signs of growth and improvement on those plays in which they worked themselves open for Bryce. But still, there are too many times where even when Bryce has a lot of time, he, there, there's not there's not an open guy and and some of that goes back on Bryce too because as is often the case with guys who have the sort of passing talent that Bryce has they're not exactly fans of their check down and so whereas early in the progression it pretty much tells you that the check down is the throw you know you've got guys with the ability like Bryce has who is at times, it's just outright witchcraft, what we see from number nine. And they want to hang in there and kind of let things develop in the way of extended plays before making a decision to get rid of the football. So there's a couple of things there in play when you look at it from a passing game perspective. But Ja'Cory leading the way in terms of receiving yards with 74 uh, Jojo Earl continues to do some really nice things in his return. Uh, his second touchdown catch since returning to the rotation. Three catches for 38 yards for Jojo. You wondered if Jermaine Burton would play in the game. Jermaine Burton not only played, he had two catches for 40 yards. Had a long reception of 23. Nick Saban, after the game, was asked specifically about what went into the decision to play Jermaine. Uh, against uh, Mississippi State. And without going into too much detail, Saban let it be known that you know there were some things in play that were, were known uh, in relation to the situation immediately after the loss to Tennessee on the field with folks running everywhere and no semblance really of order down on the field in a stadium where you've got 100,000 people. Uh, He also mentioned accountability on behalf of Jermaine. Uh, Understandably so in that regard. He did mention that there is counseling involved for Jermaine moving forward, and he pretty much left it at that. But Jermaine Burton was a part of things. Treshawn Holden, part of what we wondered in relation to Ja'Cory Brooks and maybe his place now, atop the rotation or certainly near the top was what about some of these veteran guys? What about some of the older guys? You know, it's been very much an up and down season to this point for Trayshawn Holden, but he responded pretty well, at least against Mississippi state with two catches for 23 yards, including a touchdown and still a place for a lot of these young receivers like Kobe Prentice and Isaiah bond, who boy took a big shot, didn't he early in the game, on the targeting penalty against Mississippi State that resulted in an ejection for one of the state safeties, Isaiah Bond. He took it to the helmet on the hit, and then he took it from the field uh, when he hit his head. And, uh, you know, I understand 
this Alabama medical staff, they put these guys through every precaution. They they put them through a, a concussion testing and all those things. But frankly, I was surprised to see Isaiah come back later in the game. And, you know, maybe one of the bigger uh, items that a lot of people will take from the Mississippi State performance was that we did see Tyler Harrell late uh, in the second half there on Saturday night. Tyler Harrell with his first catch for 12 yards in the game. So, you know, whereas we continue to think that perhaps in time, especially eight weeks in, there's going to be sort of this paring down of the rotation and some of the options that are in play, uh, Saturday night told us once again there is uh, the light's still on at the end for some of these guys. It hasn't been totally extinguished, and it could still change on a weekly basis. It was a positive, though, to see Tyler Harrell get some work and make a catch, and you know maybe we're on the cusp of seeing him become more of a piece, especially in the vertical game, which can also help you run the football a little bit better. Um, and, and also with these receivers, too, as an extension of the run game, uh, we did see some reverse action on some of the run plays for Alabama. I don't know what Bill O'Brien is saving that for, but I was just glad to see that because I thought against Tennessee with the way guys like Jeremy Banks and Aaron Beasley and um, you know the Tennessee linebackers were flowing to the run game, it just felt like there needed to be an answer to that, you know, something to counter that to get those guys out of position and capitalize with some of these receivers that do have big playability. And so we saw Alabama with that sort of action a couple of times in the game against Mississippi State, which tells me that plays in there. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see exactly uh, when Alabama decides to, to maybe try a little reverse or two off of that run game action to take advantage of these defenses that, again, you saw it with Mississippi State's inside linebackers. I thought really on the opening snap for Alabama or the opening carry of the game for Alabama anyway. Um, I think it was Jameer early in the game, and he it's a, it's a run to the right, and he loses two yards on the first snap of the game, and it's Jet Johnson – the inside linebacker for Mississippi State that is just running straight downhill. Um, and then we saw some of that, and uh, maybe we'll get some misdirection or something like that to the receivers involved uh, from even a run game perspective as well. So not a prolific night for sure. It felt a little LSU-ish, right? 2021, when you start looking at the numbers – I will say this, in keeping with the positives, you talk about stats, the one you had to like the most from this game was three penalties for 20 yards against Alabama, especially coming off the 17 for 130 at Tennessee last week. You also had to like, if you're an Alabama fan, the fact that your quarterback was protected far more uh, by the officials. Now, look. No football fan wants to see it where it's over the top and there's too much involved. I thought in watching not just the Alabama game on Saturday, but some games around the league, LSU Ole Miss included in that too, which, by the way, you had the crew, the officiating crew from Tennessee, Alabama last week had Ole Miss LSU on Saturday 
in Baton Rouge. So two straight CBS games for that crew. That was the reward, I guess, for last week. Hey, we're going to put you right back on the 230 Central CBS game. But even in that game, you saw some penalties called. I did see Jaden Daniels for LSU draw a personal foul on one of his runs. So I think it's pretty obvious in watching games around the league. There was a memo that was sent out after what we saw in Knoxville last week. And even Bryce uh, was able to to draw a couple of those plays. But what you don't like about the run game not being good enough is that's part of it. It's harder to protect your quarterback. If you can't run the football, um, you know, play action kind of goes out the window. And, you know, you lose your balance as a, a kind of a result of that. Alabama only ran 64 plays in the game against Mississippi State and threw it 37 times, 27 times it ran the ball. So not much in the way of balance, but you expose your quarterback to more hits. And Bryce took some pretty good ones. We saw him on the sideline being tended to. I thought it was good to go ahead. Maybe it was even a series or two late to get him out, get Jalen Milrow in the game, you know, get him some needed work if you could and, and you were able to do that. And so, uh, you know, not exactly the offensive performance you wanted to go into the bye week with. But, you know, again, looking at this team in general, this looked like a team to me at the end of a stretch of eight in a row. In other words, it looked like the bye week was coming at a good time. Now, how beneficial will it ultimately prove to be? All that matters is how this team performs, once we get into November. And a year ago, we were saying a lot of the same things, right? Boy, Alabama needs to get to the bye week. And then they'll get to that bye week, and then we'll see you know, the, the Alabama we expect to see against LSU. And then that performance against LSU in Tuscaloosa <laughs> certainly was not one for all time. And that was coming off of bye week, too. So it can be a bit hit and miss when you start banking on open dates and bye weeks curing everything that ails you. But I do think this is a team, as we outlined earlier, just knowing in terms of availability players for for the game against Mississippi State. And then, you know, kind of just looking at some body language on some other guys. This is a team that's beat up, I would say, at quarterback. It's a team that's beat up at running back. It's a team that obviously was missing some key pieces in its defensive front seven Saturday night. And, um, you know, as Nick Saban said post-game, the hope is obviously to be able to get some of those guys back and not only get those guys back, but continue to ramp up maybe the Tyler Harrells and some of these other guys. And look, you know, it's that time of year at the running back position too, right? I mean, it was about this time last year when Alabama was getting into a stretch of Jace McClellan was already out for the year. And it wasn't too long into November when it was without Roydell Williams, you know, and things start taking a toll at some of those positions, some specific positions. So during this bye week, uh, you're able to visit, revisit Jamarian Miller, the young running back, and, and get him some additional work and, and have him ready to go. 
Um, you know, guys like Trey Sanders, you know, these are the positions, especially where you need to have those guys ready because as we've learned as recent as a year ago, uh, it doesn't take much to get them on the field. What about special teams, you ask? Well, James Burnup, busy night for Burnup, especially, I guess, there in the second half. Six punts, um, average 37, had a couple of shaky efforts, I thought James did, in the game against Mississippi State. He did have a long of 53 of his punts downed inside the Mississippi State 20. Um Good to see Will Riker get back on the horse, right? Three for three. You don't like the sort of uh, red zone-ish stalls, but boy, Will drills the 50. Yeah, I know. You're a cynic. You're going to say, where was that last week? Well, maybe that right hash had something to do with it last week. This one wasn't off the right hash, and Will banged it home there. Um, In the second quarter, he had two more field goals in the second half. Is Alabama pretty anemic? offensively in the third and fourth quarter had the big play there in the second half on the aforementioned muffed punt return by Xavion Thomas for Mississippi State Jalen Moody able to jump on that loose football I thought um as far as uh you know some of the uh some of the stuff that uh, uh Alabama was able to do on on kickoff coverage um, you know, like a couple of those returns. I, I thought it was pretty smart at times to kick away from Tulu Griffin. Uh, he can be a very dangerous dude back there on kickoff return. But uh, Mississippi State missed a field goal in the game. Massimo Biscardi, with a name like that, you can't miss if you're a field goal kicker. But Massimo did miss from 43 yards there in the second quarter to keep the shutout streak in Tuscaloosa going for at least – Another quarter or two, and you know, Alabama, good enough on special teams. I wouldn't say great. I thought Burnup was, again, uh, not exactly up to snuff, but Will Reichard offset that with the three for three and reinstilling some confidence into him is going to be very important because of what you got coming up. Road games at LSU, road game at Ole Miss, And we talked about it before, you start to see a little bit of a come apart for some teams. And then in some teams, you you think that's happening, and then they get to a bye week like this, and they turn things around in the month of November. I thought Arkansas a year ago was a prime example of that. Uh, I don't think things are salvageable at this point in College Station. What about that latest loss for Jimbo Fisher? And we did see Connor Wiegman, the five-star freshman, at quarterback for the Aggies uh, later in that loss in Columbia to Shane Beamer's Gamecocks. And uh, oof, it just goes from bad to worse. And that's coming off. That's, again, we talk about, wow, just get to the bye week. And, boy, A&M was feeling better about itself, even in a loss at Alabama and going into the bye week. And we're going to come out of it, go back on the road to South Carolina, get a road win against one of the bottom feeders in the SEC East. I guess you have to put South Carolina ahead of, well, we'll see with Missouri, I guess. Uh, Missouri got the win over Vanderbilt. Somebody had to win in a game in the SEC, and it was Missouri that beat Vanderbilt Saturday. But well, it did not play out that way for Jimbo and the Aggies on Saturday. Three and four now. A lot of folks uh, talk about Jimbo Fisher being just a four-loss 
coach. Well, Jimbo didn't waste any time getting there. Took him only seven games this year to get the four losses. Uh, and really, when you look at the SEC East against the SEC West here of late, um, it, it's been a good run for the East. Last week, you had Kentucky beating Mississippi State. You had Tennessee beating Alabama. You know, this week, uh, you got South Carolina taking care of Texas A&M. Now, all those were home games. And that also tells you the importance of playing at home. And that's where, for Alabama, it gets a lot tougher coming up in its next couple of games when it does return to the road and uh, looks to to cure a lot of the, the ailments we've seen from Alabama on the road here over the last two seasons. But it is an open date for Alabama. We're going to have you covered as best we can throughout the off week. Not going to be totally off for Alabama. Nick Saban is wise beyond his years. I guess if it's possible to be wise beyond uh, the years that Nick has already accumulated, uh, he, he's wise in that area as well. But uh, look for Alabama to to revisit some of its younger players, some of its depth, uh, especially at a time of year when you seem to need those t- sort of individuals and that sort of depth the most. Uh, and then it'll be on to LSU. Brian Kelly's got the Tigers playing pretty good football, playing pretty good football at home outside of the the home loss to Tennessee a couple Saturdays ago. So uh, LSU feeling good about itself with a couple of wins in a row here. We talk about those West versus East matchups. It was LSU that went into Gainesville a couple Saturdays ago and was able to win by 10 uh, before its most recent victory there at Death Valley over Lane Kiffin. What about Lane Kiffin's what about Lane Kiffin's approval rating among not only Ole Miss fans, but some Alabama fans who like to think about Lane and that succession plan for Nick Saban down the road? Did that take a hit? What was that run? 45-20 final for LSU in the game over Ole Miss. And Ole Miss led that game 17-3. to So my very suspect math skills tell me that was a 42-3 to run for LSU to end that game. Jaden Daniels playing some good football, man. Playing good football at the quarterback position for LSU. Kayshawn Booty coming on more at wide receiver. Uh, more balanced approach on offense. Still some capable dudes at those wide receiver positions. Got some youth at the offensive tackle position for LSU that's really stepped up. Uh, It is an LSU defense that can be had, uh, but Alabama going to have to be a lot more consistent uh, on that side of the ball than it was against Mississippi State on Saturday night. But again, we're going to have you covered at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job for us. Kirk McNair, of course, does an outstanding job from the team perspective as well. And then it was another big recruiting weekend in Tuscaloosa. So our site publisher, our fearless leader, Tim Watts, along with longtime recruiting analyst, Hank South, they're going to have you covered from the recruiting side of things. Man, we are right up against basketball season. It's starting in just a matter of days at this point, especially when you consider exhibition play that is on the near horizon, the immediate horizon. So, so much to get into with us there at BAMOnline.com. Uh, you want to hang out with us at the roundtable. 
premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe right there. The roundtable at BamaOnline.com. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, the Bama Online Podcast, we certainly hope you'll do so. And if you'll leave us a rating and a review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Travis Ryer, thanks again for joining us. For instant analysis on the Bama Online Podcast as the Alabama Crimson Tide takes down the Mississippi State Bulldogs 40-6 to Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Until next time, so long everybody.